Welcome to But Jesus Drank Wine and other stories that kept us stuck. I'm Mead. And I'm Christy. In this podcast, we'll explore the stories that kept us, well, stuck, wanting to drink and not wanting to drink all at the same time. Join us as we show you that freedom from alcohol does not have to mean a life sentence of misery and missing out, but actually means living an authentic life full of peace, joy, and purpose. Our guest on the pod today is my former client turned dear, dear friend, Rachel. We're so excited to share with y'all her beautiful freedom from alcohol journey. What did her life look like when she was stuck in the drinking cycle? And what does her life look like now free from alcohol? But before we get to that, you know, we recorded this conversation back at the end of January. But since then, she's called and she said, Mead, you know, that thing that they found that thing that we were praying about, it is breast cancer. And, you know, this is one of those calls that you don't want to ever get from someone you love and care about. And I immediately thought there are way too many women our age, way too many of us, way too many mamas receiving this exact news. And it made me sad. But then she said, Mead, you know, if I hadn't found freedom from alcohol first, this news would be so different. I would have said, why me now? And instead, today I'm saying, I know why me now. The Lord back in December 2020 was prepping me for this. From hearing your story on a podcast and hearing my story and your story and from reaching out and connecting with you to help get this alcohol thing out of the way, it's left me with a peace and a strength that I just never even thought was possible, never would have imagined. And y'all, the tears, the tears came from me. Tears of just immense gratitude and praise for how good the Lord is. Here's my friend face with this diagnosis. And she's saying, I know I me now and also let's go. Rachel also said, please share this as it's now part of my story. And if it helps even just one person find freedom from alcohol, if it helps even just one person feel not alone on this journey, if it helps even just one person to know that hard things are possible before they have to walk through other really hard seasons in life, then it is all worth it. So thank you, Rachel. Thank you, my dear friend, for allowing me to share in the telling of your story. Such an honor and such a privilege. And, you know, I saw firsthand the incredible courage, the incredible strength, and the for first looking and exploring your relationship to alcohol and for working to untangle the stories that kept you stuck, that led you to finding freedom from alcohol. I have no doubt that courage, that strength, is primed and ready for overcoming this next really hard thing. And I have no doubt that you will overcome this next really hard thing. On an episode for another day, Christy and I will dive further into the research that shows the increased risk of breast cancer from regular drinking, regular drinking as defined by, you know, one drink a day. We'll talk about the lunacy of big alcohol selling a known carcinogen as necessary for surviving motherhood, as necessary for connecting in sisterhood. The lunacy of drink pink campaigns, wine companies slapping pink, pink labels on wine bottles in October advocating for breast cancer awareness, all while withholding 
that alcohol is a known carcinogen and contributes to an increased risk of breast cancer. Again, a conversation for another day. For today, though, we hope that you will hold Rachel's story with the love and the care that it deserves. And we invite you to join us in praying for her and praying for her husband and praying for her kids as they walk this next incredibly hard journey together. And we invite you to head over to Drink Less for Your Breasts on Instagram. Give them a follow as they are just doing incredible work and sharing the truth, sharing the research on the link between cancer and alcohol. And ladies, of course, don't forget, schedule those mammograms. For now, though, here's our conversation with Rachel. Hi, gals. Hello. Hi. This is so fun. We are so, so excited today to have my friend and someone that I've worked with, coached with, Rachel, joining us to kind of share her story, what her freedom from alcohol journey has looked like. And I think it's one of those things where I did this when I read The Snake of Mind. I, you know, I heard Annie's story through the book and I'm like, yeah, but is that really possible for someone like me? Like maybe it's, she's, you know, just an anomaly, Annie is. And I think sometimes as coaches, people look at us the same way where yeah, but they're coaches and they're just, you know, they're an anomaly. Like this can't really be possible for me. And so I love the idea of being able to share other stories of folks who have done this journey and, and through hearing, you know, there's, there's always those opportunities for relatability and connection through this just shared journey. So we are so excited to have you here today, Rachel. Yay. Welcome. Welcome for having me. So why don't you just kind of take us back to kind of how this started, where you started on your journey to finding freedom from alcohol. Like, what did that, what did, what did that look like? Well, I think I kind of knew all along, like I always questioned my drinking habits and I would always kind of ask probing questions to like doctors or people like that, that I felt like I could kind of like, where is that line? And like, do I have a problem? And I had no idea that there was like a whole world, a whole community out there of people that just chose to not drink. That was, I had no idea that that existed. And so um, I kind of always, like I said, I kind of always like, why am I like the person that seems to drink the most at the party or (laughs) does it like, why is it that I don't really ever stop until I go to sleep? Like these were things that were in the back of my mind. And so I just, went through some really stressful life events that all people tend to go through, except it was like back to back. Like, you know, I lost my dear grandparents, my husband and I, his company was going through a lot of challenges. We were selling our home. Like there was just so many things. I was having a lot of conflict and stress at my job. And so through that, and then COVID, like it just, it kind of escalated and I just kept questioning and I started really praying And that's when this book popped up on my Instagram feed. And so like everybody else, I looked on Amazon to find the book and the reviews weren't as good as another book I saw, which was The Naked Mind. And so I I ordered that one. I was like, well, this one's got great reviews. This seems like this is really fascinating to me. So I picked it up and then I didn't read the whole thing. I just read the first little bit where it says like, you can keep drinking. I was like, oh, okay. Sounds good to me. And then like several months passed and the stress was starting to take a toll on my physical body. Like in that time, 
I was having severe back pain and it just, it was just escalating quickly. And then I, I ended up finishing the book. Like when I picked it back up in December of 2020, I finished it within like a day or two. And I was like, I'm changed. Like I'll never be able to feel the same about drinking now that I know what I know. And I listened to the podcast and I found Mead's podcast and I was like, this is amazing. I like related to so much of Mead's story. And then I read her bio and she made you, I saw that you like Dave Matthews band. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is like amazing. <laughs> like so, so many me. little tiny things. Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, like there's somebody out there like mm-hmm. me that just decided I can stop drinking and what you say made about like, I can be miserable still drinking or miserable, not drinking. Like I just, that just really resonated with me. And so I got so excited that there was this coaching program. And, you know, and so I ended up working with me in January of 2021. And then I'm here today and I, I've, I've read about like through the different books and things that I've researched, like spontaneous sobriety, where you, you really can like achieve success when you just decide like I am no longer going to drink. And so I feel like God really worked in my life because I had prayed and I was ready and uh, I was able to just say, I really don't want to do this anymore. I know moderation doesn't work for me. Like I think I had drank enough, (laughs) have enough experience on my drinking resume to know that if I try to moderate, it's not going to it's not going to work. So it's like, I'm not, I'm not even going to try. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to go there. And I did, I do read like on these pages, like, and even then when I first decided I wasn't going to drink anymore, I would read people say like, it just gets better and better. And I thought maybe they were just saying that to like encourage other people. But now that I'm here at this two year mark, I'm like, wow, it really does. Like, it really does. Like you, you do appreciate it more and more and more as you, as you grow. So that's been so encouraging. If I remember correctly, this was, so it was right around the holidays. So we started working together, but right in December is when you were like, okay. And mm-hmm. so do, you had your first holiday alcohol free, right? Well, no, I didn't. Cause you, I, I had caught, we weren't coaching together yet. And we had just okay. talked on the phone and you said, and I said, you know, Christmas is coming up and That's right. like we normally just drink on Christmas, you know? And, and you were like, well, if just be at peace about it. Like what you want to do. And I drank and I did not like it. Like I, I was, I regretted it immediately. And then, Mm -hmm. um, that's really when I knew. And then like December 27th, we went to this little place downtown and I had like a mimosa and I was like, I'm so done with this. Like, I just, I'm just doing this to be doing it at this point. Like I'm really over it. And so that was December 27th of 2020. That's, that's what I was thinking. You did new year's alcohol free. So like shortly right after becoming alcohol free, you had new year's Eve. And I was, and then I'm remembering too, that, yeah, it was that turn to like collecting the Intel, as we say, or like collecting Mm -hmm. the data around, well, you know, it's that mindful turn to what does my relationship to alcohol look like if I'm going through the holidays open to it, if I'm fighting against it, because I have to be alcohol free, that creates that extra tension, that extra stress but the holidays are here. What if instead I turn like, you know, this naked mind walks us through in the book too. It's that idea of like curiosity around what this looks like, mm-hmm. which allows you to collect that evidence that says, wait, I'm doing this. And I actually don't even really want to be doing this. This isn't serving me at all. And so I think that's just such a powerful example of like what one approach to this work is, you know, is through 
well, what does it look like in real time? And as long as I'm curious, I can collect that information. Mm -hmm. How to, how, what is your, what does your life look like now? And I, I mean, I want to go back some too, but, but I want to like, I want to see that kind of contrast too. Well, at first I was so excited. And I think you and I even talked about this pink cloud thing. I was just so happy. And so I felt so free. And then we, you like kind of created a community and we kept in touch via Marco Polo, me and several women across the country that you connected me with. And there were times that first year, like getting through those first that were hard, but I can honestly say I was never like white knuckling, like what you might see like on a movie or something, you know, like I just, I would always play forward and like use the things that you had taught me and I knew I did not want to be hungover again. Like, that was my thing. Like I do not want to have another hangover because I immediately was like so happy to be done with those. But I was definitely craving sugar like that. I, I ate a lot of candy. My sister threw a huge 40th birthday tea for me and she had gummy bears like as the party fingers because I just eat candy all the time those first few months and the first were hard but not really because I was just so thankful that I was like present and not distracted and not like trying to figure out you know that game in your head not really a game but just like a the whole conflict in your head of like okay how much can I drink to feel good, but not be too drunk, but then like not be hungover tomorrow. Like, and there's no good answer to those questions that I would always ask myself. Like I was trying to weigh all these, you know, drinking equations in my mind. So I did not miss that. But I mean, of course, like when you're around a bunch of people that are drinking, like you, you know, you do, like it does affect you. I mean, it, it didn't make me sad. It just made me think it was hard sometimes to see people drunk. Cause it was like, well, gosh, that's what I looked like. Like there's just so many emotions that come in with being around people that are still drinking. But then like the more time passed and the more energy I had and the less bloated I felt and the more healthier I was in my mind and in my body, the more I was able to do and accomplish. And so that's been a huge blessing. Clearly. I mean, I did watercolor at night to like keep my hands busy and I couldn't take the watercolors with me. So then I started doing needle pointing and I love to needle point. And I did like what everybody does when they become alcohol free. I did a yoga certification training. Cause like, what else are you going to do? <laughs> did that. And then I, now I'm working on my doctorate, which I'm super excited about. I've always wanted to do that. It's just, I, I love the so thing much. about you, yoga over here in the UK, by the way, I just have to jump in for some reason it's wild swimming. It's like everybody goes wild swimming when they get, when they ditch alcohol. It's the weirdest thing. No offense to any wild swimmers, but like, it's this thing that everybody ends up doing is they find like natural bodies of water and like, you go basically swim in the ponds and the lakes. I don't know. Anyways, it's a thing over here. Sorry. <laughs> so see, I have to Google that because I don't know That's what wild so swimming far. is. It's I mean, literally it just sense. swimming in like a, in a natural body of water. Oh I love that you got gosh. your yoga certification. Yeah. It's like the U.S. equivalent of start, wild swimming. Okay. I'm going to follow the hashtag wild swimming and just <laughs> see all the wild swimmers out there. I love that. That's really fun. It makes sense though. Cause you do, oh, you feel so free and you like want to be outside and you know, so I can see it. It makes sense. Actually, we should start that meet. We can meet up and go wild swimming. <laughs> There's like a lagoon. I don't know. Like not yeah. too far from here. We can. Yeah. Meet over there. So when we talk about, you mentioned like the first times we talk about AFFTs, alcohol-free first times and, okay. you know, how the first, you know, how the first year of like these new things, you know, they're, they're hard perhaps because they're different. We've never done them yeah. this way. Like I know for me and my experience, it was 
I'd never done a vacation without alcohol before. Never. I mean, in my adult life. Right. And so going to do a vacation that I was super excited about totally free from alcohol, it, you know, was just different and it was new and going into it with that kind of like curiosity of like, okay, what do I get to experience here that I haven't, you know, before when I, when I'd been drinking, so I was just curious, like your first times, those times that you had, what were some of like, what were some of the, the, the thoughts that you practiced or the things that you used to, what was your mindset? Like going into those first times? I will say, let me say this first. Like we were still kind of in and out of COVID in 21. So it, I, I didn't have to go to like a lot of parties and explain like, you know, anything. So that helped too. But vacations were, we, we travel a lot with a dear, dear friend of mine and she's not a drinker. So that was a huge blessing that my closest, dearest, like confidant, like I, although I'd never really opened up to her as much about it. Cause she wasn't a drinker. Like when I made the decision, it was very much easier to like, not when you're not with someone. So that helped like not being on vacation with drinkers, but I will say first, when you first get on the trip, you know, like that first drink is like the thing, like, Oh, we're at the beach. Let's have a drink. You know, like that, that was hard, but not really because I knew I did not want to be hungover. And I didn't want to wake up, you know, like that whole 3 a.m. thing, which I didn't, I thought that was just me. I didn't know that was a thing that like your body wakes up at that time in the middle of the night for a reason. And so I hated that when you're like not in your home and you would do that 3 a.m. thing and you like didn't have anywhere to go because you weren't in your house, you know? And so it's like, I loved that I could just sleep through the night and peacefully and get my rest. And so I'd always just try to cue the tape forward and just think like, okay, what will this look like if I do drink right now? And I would always think like how far I've come and how uh, I know like a lot of people kind of go back and forth with the numbers and the counting and I get it. And I respect all of that, like the data points and all those things. Like I, I'm totally in support of whatever works for people. I just knew for me, like, I didn't want to, I didn't want to do that. Like I wanted to start a new chapter of my life, like a before and an after I don't want to go back and forth. And I think God did that for me. Like, I don't think that was me. I think God knew that that's what I needed. So the vacations were wonderful. I, I mean, once you've had one without alcohol, you're like, oh, wow, like I don't need a vacation when I get home from vacation and I'm actually rested and I could actually enjoy it and I could actually do whatever I wanted to do because I didn't feel bad and I could make plans. I could go get a massage and not have a headache. And I mean, the list is endless, really. Yeah. <laughs> enjoy yeah. the food. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I was just going to say like, you you could actually go to dinner at night because you didn't drink too much on the beach all day. Like, that sounds really sad, but that it's great. It's great. It's a great thing. No, but those are the things that I think help just really solidify those new pathways that say like, this is what we want to continue doing when we are in that space of like noticing what are these things that I get to do that otherwise, if I was drinking, I would be missing out on it. And it trains our mind towards seeing those things. And then like, oh, this is, this is, there's so many things that I didn't realize I would benefit, you know, I, I knew the basics, right. When you're not putting it in your body, your sleep's going to improve. Your skin's going to look better. You're going to look young. I mean, all the, all the physical things, there's so many things that I didn't anticipate, like driving at night, not having to think about like, where, where are we going to go to dinner? Or like, to your point, you know, if we've been drinking all day, maybe we do take out instead. It's those little things. And I think your focus going into it, why I don't want to do this. And then your ability to notice what those, what those gifts were of doing it alcohol-free 
really go a long way towards solidifying those new pathways. And then it gets exponentially easier. So like the second times are, would you say like way easier than the first times? And people said that in the groups, the Facebook groups or whatnot, but -hmm. I didn't know if that was like really how it would be. And so I was, I'm, you know, so happy that that's true. Like it really is like, you don't, you don't want to. And I mean, I see people and I just feel bad, you know, bad for people, but it's their, it's their journey. And like I said, there's a lot that I feel a lot of emotions. I feel when I see people still drinking and I'm just glad I'm not, I'm glad I'm free from that. One of the things we all have in common is we're all moms. And I know we all in different conversations have talked about kind of the space that alcohol occupied and how it didn't align with how we wanted to be showing up around our kids. What has been noticeably different either from your kid's point of view or like from your point of view as a mom in that regard, like being alcohol free, like the biggest difference in that space to do whatever they need me to do. Like I'm never impeded or like I'm never affected by alcohol so I can drive them anywhere they need to go. Like I'm always available to them. I don't have to worry like, oh, what if something happens, you know, and they need me and I've been drinking, like I can just be fully present and not, you know, and and a lot of the things from the book that Annie Grace talked about really, really affected me when it comes to parenting. And there's a, there's a section in there that she writes about, like your kids don't like it when you're overly affectionate, when you've been drinking or you're distant, like you're kind of hiding from them. Like all those things I kind of resonated with me. And I was like, it just really, it convicted me and it affected me. And I was like, I do not want to be that parent. And my daughter had noticed, and she had said something. She said like, I wish she wouldn't drink. She was little. And I don't know if she'd remember, like if I asked her today, do you remember telling me that? Like, I don't know if she would remember telling me that, but that was when like it first started, like the seed was planted. Like, I think my drinking's different and I think I want to change or maybe I should change or, or that kind of thing. But I don't know. I don't talk to them a lot about it because it was the ages that they're at and the, the journey that I was on, I don't know. I just didn't really, they know I don't like they'll see funny little silly dish towels or whatnot about the mommy wine culture stuff. And like, they used to say, Oh, ha ha, that's funny. You need that. And then like, she's like, Oh no, wait, you don't need that. I was like, yep, I don't need that. I don't drink. So that was, you know, little things like that have come up, but we haven't really had a heart to heart. Like it's kind of time, I think <laughs> with the ages that they're at, I know there's like a whole class. I think Amy Grace, that's all like how to talk to your kids about alcohol. So, but we're getting there. I mean, they're in middle school. Yeah. Well, yeah, just, it's one of those that they pick up on a lot of stuff, but what I found, and that was something that kind of worried me is like, what did they pick up on? And I mean, obviously, and my daughter, similarly, you know, like she was like, Ooh, mom, no kisses. Like she denied me kisses because my stinky wine breath. And that was, you know, my, one of like a pivotal moment for me sounds similar to it with your daughter. And they pick up on stuff, but also like when you're on this side of things, it's like, they, they just know how good it is right now that Mm -hmm. there's not a lot of wasted time. Like we, as adults, we will go back into the past and we will spend all this time kind of like spinning around the past, but kids have this beautiful way of like being present with whatever's happening. And, and I think that's one of the, the coolest gifts of being free from alcohol is we get to live in this place of presence with them and they're not spending time spinning around, you know, what it used to look like. And so I think that's also why it it's 
easy to not, you know, maybe point out for them like, oh, mom, this is different. I see this as a difference mm-hmm. now because they're not thinking about the way it was. They're just really enjoying how it is. So I just, I just was curious what your experience had been with that. I also think it's really cool that we get to then be the ones that can lead by example for, for whether it's alcohol or anything else that they kind of are struggling with. Right. It's like, we get to show them this beautiful thing that we, that we struggled with, but that we worked on, that we prayed about, that we overcame, that was hard, that we can do hard things that like, you know, which I think is pretty much one of the coolest lessons that we can teach our kids. So that's Mm -hmm. what I always tell clients when they're getting really down about like those times when they feel like they missed out from, you know, time with their kids. It's like, yeah, but like, look what you get to teach them now. Like you get to be this Mm -hmm. incredible role model that can speak to alcohol in their life. Like nobody else can. Mm -hmm. And one day I'll get to tell my daughter, like you inspired me, like you are one of the main reasons why I went down the road that I went down and she's always been an old soul. And so, like I said, she, I mean, she picks up on everything. So it's such a gift that she was that honest with me and felt like she could tell me that. I mean, I remember it. Like I was in the bathtub and she was standing by the bathtub. And she said something to me. She also said something to my mother, but that's a whole other story. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I I love, I love that. It's, it's teaching them that we can take our messes and we can turn them into, Mm -hmm. you know, messages as cheesy as that is. Mm -hmm. I was someone that grew up kind of like thinking that my mom is perfect. And I mean, she'll, she'd laugh hearing that. She's like, I don't know how you picked up on, I don't know how that was what you perceived, but Okay. But I did have this idea of like how perfect she was. And so therefore I thought everything had, you know, and I, I think about how I'm like throwing all my mistakes at my kids. Like I'm not perfect and we can take this and we can use this and here, you know, and, and I think it, there is something to be said about that. that allows that like open communication too, and, and connection building from having those real conversations about what we've been through and what it look what it looks like and I can um, also totally relate to your story Rachel about getting or I don't know finding freedom getting alcohol free like throughout parts of covid and I have so many people that are like how did you do that but like some like to what you said to your point like actually it ended up being such a blessing because you didn't have mm-hmm. as many people to explain to you didn't have like that many events to go to or, or whatever gatherings so mm-hmm. it ended up kind of being this massive blessing of like okay I can hide out for a bit get this whole thing kind of under my belt mm-hmm. before I have to go out and kind of practice and have those alcohol free first but then when you yeah and then when you get past those first and then you are like further down the road I just can't even it just it it's so hard to articulate like how much more at peace you can feel. Cause you first feel so good, but then you're like, how can it even get better than this? But like knowing you're not going to be the drunkest person and you're not going to say things that you regret saying, or you're not going to embarrass yourself. Like you just go in confident knowing like you're going to be able to drive home. I was terrified of getting a DUI and it wasn't that I drove drunk. It was just, if you have anything like in my mind, I was like this, I guess I was always afraid and me and I talked about this, you know, subconsciously or consciously, I don't know, like, do I have to hit a rock bottom to be able to stop drinking was maybe a question that I kind of subconsciously had. I don't know. Cause I never really, what is a rock bottom, you know, like it means different things to different people, but 
I never had like a near-death experience or anything like that, but I was always afraid. Like the DUI thing was always in the back of my mind and just terrified me. I was like, it would be so terrible for many reasons. So I'm just so glad I don't have to worry about that anymore either. Yeah. Being, being able to see what those things are that like took up space, like the things, I think that's what mm-hmm. I always come back to too. It's like, I, I wasted so much mental real estate on thinking mm-hmm. of those kinds of things, trying like in fear of whatever it was. And then now seeing that space open up mm-hmm. on the side is, is so different. I'm curious, since we talk a lot about like the stories that keep us stuck when there's a subconscious belief that tells us there's some benefit to doing this when, but we're saying, yeah, like, but no, I don't want to do this anymore. What were like your big ones or uh, the, ones that, the hardest ones to untangle? So many. Oh, I know, yeah. Like, okay. So many, well, right? I thought you were going to say like, what were some things that you thought that, you know, aren't true now? Like that, yeah, that too. Yeah. I think the, the funniest one, I think I have, I have a friend, a different friend who doesn't drink at all. And I don't know, I just thought like, I almost felt sorry for her. Like she doesn't really like, I, I thought that you didn't have fun. I really did. Like, I thought that like getting drunk with friends was fun. And I thought that if you didn't do that, like you were missing something. I don't, I'm like, what yeah. was that? why did I, it's like, the craziest thing. Like, but I really believed that. So I don't know. I just, I, that blows my mind, my own mind that I thought that really. And then, so I guess that'd be the number one thing. Um, I also thought, yeah, like I'm not, I was going to be missing something if I wasn't drinking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I always thought like I could find this perfect balance of like just drinking enough to not be hungover. Like there's no such thing, you know, I was, it was very freeing to learn that alcohol's the problem, not people like alcohol is an addictive substance that you can't control alcohol and what it does to you. So that was huge, a huge thing that I learned. Gosh, I don't, there's so many. I'm so thankful to not wish whole entire days away. I think that's one of the biggest things that's hit me is like how many Saturdays and Sundays that I'd be like, or Mondays that I'd be like, Oh God, this day could just be over. I'd feel better soon. And when you watch, you know, the older you get and the more reflective you become and the pain you might see in others around you, or you, you know, you're reminded sometimes of how short life is when you lose loved ones or people, you know, like, I'm just so thankful I don't still live a life where I wished entire days away. Cause what kind of life is that, you know, to just be like, Oh, I just want this day to be over. It's like, because of something I did, I want this whole day to be over. So that kind of breaks my heart to think back on how many days there were like that, but I'm glad I don't have to experiences anymore for sure. That's so good. And it's so, so I relate to that so much. I remember just getting in bed and like saying this prayer of like, oh, thank God I made it. And like, I hadn't even done anything. (laughs) You know what I mean? It was just because I was exhausted from drinking wine and it was exactly, you said it so beautifully. I just, I wished days away and you just get to a point where you're like, I'm wishing my days away, but I'm also wishing like days with my kids away. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it's yeah, no, no way to live. No. And then like the next day you still feel bad. <laughs> it just, yeah, it just really catches up with you. The blacking out was so scary. And like reading that once you start that, you have a propensity to keep blacking out and people don't really understand why, or like how that happened, like that whole thing blew my mind to learning about that. And that was really scary. And just, I don't know, there's just a lot that I think as an educator and someone that loves learning, the more I learned about the science behind it, 
the more empowered I was, whether I wanted to be or not. I was like, well, now that I know this, like now that I know how it affects my brain, I don't see how I can keep doing this. Yeah. You said um, that the idea, like that there's this friend that doesn't drink and like, how could that be fun? You know, and how, like, I was just thinking of a conversation we had not too long ago on an episode where I was like, me four years ago would have said that like, my, what I described was like my perfect birthday now, like sitting with the family, with the fire, watching mm-hmm. UVA basketball, like me four years ago would have been like, that is so lame. And there's no way that you could ever convince me that yeah. that would be what you would consider fun. And so this whole concept of like, what is fun and kind of being able to redefine that called so much judgment then, like, which is funny mm-hmm. back then. And then, and then now it's, it's that, it's that like knowing like why I do what I do or why something is fun. And I'm curious, like what, what is fun to you now that like when drinking was so fun before, like getting together with your friends and, you know, in that way, like what, what does fun look like now? How is it, how is it different? What are those noticeable differences? Yeah. I don't know as much fun. Well, I guess it is fun for me, but just staying home and being by myself. Like I did not necessarily enjoy that before. And now I love just being on my couch with the fire burning, like with my needle point, watching the crown, like just these things that I thought sounded really lame. I love now. I love quality time, like one-on-one with somebody. Mm. I enjoy people more than I enjoy like drinking and then drinking with and and it's funny like you do I will say you do really start to think about your company because when you're drunk and you're just feeling you just feel I want to be with and how I want to spend my time and I guess that kind of connects I don't know if that exactly answers the question but yeah like experiences like before I wouldn't necessarily be able to do and try new things because I would be like well we we need to you know or I, I would want to be drinking like I'd want to go have drinks, but now I'm like, well, let's go try this when we go on vacation or let's go, go do this. And let's, you know, do something more active that before I couldn't do maybe when I was drinking, I'm just a lot more adventuresome. I don't know if that's a word, but when I have the opportunity to be, you know, cause I can be, cause I'm not being held back by wanting to drink. I'm interested. Cause I don't, I haven't heard your story before. Like how is your relationship with the Lord like changed over this journey? Oh gosh. Well, I think, you know, you hear like sermons, like what's holding you back? What's your stumbling block, you know? And it was like, it was such a huge boulder in my life that, I mean, I always knew like alcohol is holding me back, but I didn't ever know if I would be able to like overcome it. So I think just, it's just like completely changed my relationship with the Lord in the best way. So beautiful. It's amazing to me how in my I can relate to that so much. I, it's, I thought what alcohol was giving me was connection to people and what it was and to the Lord. I mean, not that it was giving me connection to the Lord, but I felt my biggest fear in bringing attention to my relationship to alcohol was how it was going to disconnect me from people. Yeah. And yet it was definitely keeping me disconnected from the Lord and having meaningful connections with people. You even mentioned like really loving one-on-one time with people mm-hmm. uh, versus maybe just a whole big party of people. And I just, I just, it's one of the greatest, greatest gifts yeah. of being able to 
become more connected to the Lord and then yeah. how that outpouring means uh-huh. more meaningful connections with everybody. Yeah. And I think like we, we go to a very large church and we stay pretty anonymous. And so we don't have a lot of people at our church that we know. We go to church like kind of far outside of our community, but I do like think about all the people like me and you meet like that are showing up and maybe like, cause we had talked about this, like they have that mask on, like it's their church, their church self, not their drinking party self. And so it's like, how many are in there that moms like us that are like, you know, the same, like walking the same journey that we were in. I don't know. Just, it. I just wonder like who, who all in this sanctuary right now is struggling with this. Cause I'd love to, to help people, you know, in any way that I can, but it's just not something that you talk about at church is, is, I guess that's my point. Like, it's not something that I feel like alcohol and in church and religion, it's, it's very tricky because you don't want people to feel, you know, judged and you want to help people, but you don't want them to like make that, make that be what stops them going to church or being vulnerable. Like you want them to be able to be honest, but there's so much shame surrounded by it too, which that's like the shame thing is like a whole nother, whole nother podcast, but whole nother episode, I guess. The shame thing's really a lot, you know, and I guess, and that plays into the, I guess that was your whole point, Christy, like how that plays into your walk with the Lord and your faith. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. It's just, it's so true and it's so good. And I think, I think what we're doing here, even together, like right now is like, is helping with that problem. Right. And like, and, and opening up the conversation. I mean, I, I remember when I first said, like, I had this idea for a book for Christian women and I had like people in the publishing industry ask me who in church would want to be holding a book like that. <laughs> I was like what, <laughs> you know what I mean? It was like, this is where we're like, this is 2022. Now you guys, like, this is about health and wellness. Like this is about feeling better, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's what it it is. One of those that I think it's, why is it so hard? And I think you hit on that so beautifully, Rachel, because you don't, there is that judgment, shame kind of piece that comes along with it. And it's like, Hey, if the more that we can have conversations out, out loud Mm -hmm. in the open about this, because let's be honest, like maybe, you know, wine was, wine was my thing, but we all, we all have the things that keep us from being connected to the Lord that get in the way of mm-hmm. our meaningful connections with other people, the things that are getting in the way of living into who Christ has called us to be. And so it's, it's super universal for everybody, but it's messy and it's hard to, to kind of look mm-hmm. at that stuff, but it's no different than the outside, you know, the secular world where it's, it's just a messy conversation, but mm-hmm. That's also it's where so, so messy because you think about all the, the messages that society sends about drinking and how it makes you a better mom and just the silliness of the whole thing and how it's everywhere in our society drinking and like how much marketing is targeted towards moms and towards women. And, and then, then you feel like that's what you should do to fit in. But then you also are, you know, feel like it's, not what brings you closest to your faith. And so it's just that struggle in your mind, me, that we talked about so much that I feel just my heart breaks for people, you know, cause I know how hard it is because we've lived it. There's a song that we're loving right now. My kids are playing it on repeat. We heard it 
live in church. The choir sang it a couple of weeks ago, and then we heard it on one of our Christian stations. It's called Beautiful Things by Gungor. We'll drop the drop the link in our show notes, oh, but yeah, yeah, it's so beautiful. I will not <laughs> give y'all a little sampling with my singing, but I would not do that to y'all, but it's like, you make beautiful things out of the dust. You make beautiful things out of us. And that is just something that, oh my gosh, you know, if that doesn't sum up, I mean, any journey, mm-hmm. but like this, this kind of like mess to message or this messy to masterpiece that we like, you make beautiful things out of us. And, and I'm just so, I'm so grateful for, for that, for that, Mm -hmm. that truth. Yes. Yes. So good. That was so good. So Rachel, is there anything we didn't ask you that you would want to share or speak to, or what would you tell yourself? Like at the beginning of this journey is a good question Mm. too. Sorry. Oh, yeah, go back to that. Feel your thunder yeah. there, me. <laughs> no, yeah, please. I mean, no, I think that's kind of the same thing. Like, just I think believe that it will get better. Like, yeah, you can't. First of all, you can't do it. Like, you really can decide, and you, it is possible to not drink alcohol, and then also believe that it does get better over time. Not only does it get easier, but you just appreciate it more and more, and it's just a beautiful thing. And I think surrounding yourself by community, and you know, just continuing to have that faith that. It, it can continue to get better and better would be something that I would tell myself at the beginning of my alcohol-free journey, for sure. I love that. I love, I love that, that so, much. so much. Thank you so much for your generosity and sharing with us, Rachel. Okay. Like, I just, I cannot tell you, how, like, I mean, you said like, yeah. I want to help and I want to like, you know, for the mom who's sitting in church with yeah. the mask that is yeah. alcohol or whatever it is how can I help her? Well, I'm yeah. pretty sure today you sharing yeah. so generously Aww. your story with us is, yeah. is doing just that. And so thank you. Well, thank yeah, you for all you've done for me. I'll never forget you Mead. Oh, wow. So good. Same. You guys. Same. Same. So good. Thank you so, so much, Rachel. So honored Aww. to have you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us again this week. You can find all of our episodes at butjesusdrankwine.com and make sure you follow us over on the gram at Love Life Sober with Christy and Mead at I'm Not Sober, I'm Free. To learn more about what we do, you can visit our websites at meadhollandshirley.com and lovelifesober.com. Take a screenshot of this podcast and share it with a friend or two. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't have to worry about missing a single episode. And if you love what we're doing, please leave us a review on Apple or Spotify. This helps more women who are feeling stuck and alone in the overdrinking cycle to find hope and encouragement. Thanks, ladies. We so appreciate you. We'll see you next week.